and welcome to St. Columbus for our service of Holy Communion on this, the second Sunday after the Epiphany. I welcome visitors in particular and thank you all for being with us. We turn to page 201. The Lord be with you. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Lord, have mercy on us. Write these your laws in us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to intercede for us in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us then confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments, and to live in love and peace. <coughs> Almighty God, our Amen. Heavenly Father, we have sinned in thought and word and deed, and in what we have left undone. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may walk in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>
collect for today, the second Sunday after the Epiphany. Almighty God, in Christ you make all things new. Transform the poverty of our nature by the riches of your grace and in the renewal of our lives. Make known your heavenly glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. These Sundays of Epiphany set before us some extraordinary mystical visions of heaven. In this passage, Jesus appears as both lion and lamb. Strong in weakness, he is the only one who can reveal the mysteries of God to us. The epistle is from Revelation chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll written on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth, was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep bitterly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders a lamb standing as if it had been slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slaughtered, and by your blood you ransomed for God saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests serving our God, and they will reign on earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. 
Following his baptism, of which we heard last Sunday, Jesus began to choose men to share his work. Among them was Nathaniel, who received an unexpected invitation from Philip to come and see, and was even more surprised to discover that Jesus knew all about his past, his present, and future. Hear the Gospel of our Saviour Christ according to John chapter 1, beginning at verse 43. next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you come to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. May I speak in the name of our ever-living and ever-loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to his glory alone. Amen. Last year, ending, of course, uh, before Christmas, the Bible study group read, sometimes rather laboriously, I must admit, through the revelation of John. A difficult book, difficult because it's full of all sorts of images from the Old Testament, mainly from Isaiah, and Ezekiel, and Daniel, images that are rather strange to us. But as we journeyed through the book, we quickly came to realize that even though it was written at the turn of the first century by a man called John, not John the Evangelist, the author of the fourth gospel, but another John, because the, the style of Greek is entirely different. A man we, know and we now know as John the Divine. And we began to realize that the entire book, strange to us, was in fact a means of comfort to the people 
of the first century church. It was seen as a means to support them during the most terrible times of persecution. Persecution from the Roman Empire. And that series of images would certainly have been easily understood by any of them in the early church. Now, just a few moments ago, we heard read from us a passage from that very book, Revelation. A much nicer passage, actually. Easier to understand from Revelation chapter 5. A beautiful passage of Scripture. Let me just for a few moments talk you through some of the main points of that Bible reading. We have a vision of this man, John, who, because of his Christian faith, was banished to this little island, Greek island, called Patmos, where he would have been very much alone. And there, in that vision, he sees God on his heavenly throne. And this God is holding a scroll. Now, in Jewish terms, the scroll was really very much a reference to God's plan and God's judgment for the world. But he's holding it in his right hand. And the right hand signifies the majesty of God. It signifies the power of the strength of God, the right hand of God. Well, we use it in our creeds as well, in both the Nicene Creed, which we'll read in a few, here in a few moments' time, and also in the Apostles' Creed, the right hand of God, the hand of power and the hand of authority and the hand of judgment. But the thing about the scroll was that it was sealed. And it was sealed with seven seals. And I'm sure all of you know anyway, because I've told you often enough, <laughs> that seven stands for completeness in Jewish terminology. Seven is the, word, the, the number of completeness. And the seven seals speak of the complete sealing of God's scroll, the judgment and the plan of God. And the problem was that there was nobody in heaven or on earth who was able to open those seals. And they worried about it. Even in heaven, they worried about it. Until suddenly, there was the one seated beside the throne. It was Jesus, of course, who had, come, who had himself come through persecution from the Roman government and also from his own people, the Jews, and was hung on the cross and sacrificed until death. And because of his sacrifice... He was the only one 
who had authority to open the scroll. What does it say? Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. The lion of the tribe of Judah. And that takes us right away back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 49, where Jacob, on his deathbed, gathers his 12 sons, later to become the 12 tribes of Israel, and each in turn, he gives them a special blessing. And then it comes to his son called Judah. He gets something very different from any of the others. He is called by Jacob the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion, well, the lion's the king of the jungle, isn't that right? So therefore, the lion Judah would become the king of all the tribes. A prophecy from the old man before he was to die. And of course, it's a prophecy that came true. Because Judah was to become the tribe of Judah. Or the land of Judea. And that land was to have the royal ascent, wasn't it? It was to have the city of David, who was of the royal descent. And therefore, hence as we read in our own scriptures, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, from the tribe of Judah, from you shall come one who shall inherit the earth. Lion and lamb, as we put them together in that reading from Revelation chapter 5, speaks of two entirely different animals, doesn't it? When we think of a lion, we think of a ferocious animal. We think of, a la- of the lamb as a tiny, delicate little thing. But again, Scripture puts those two terms together, the lion and the lamb, and they are both referred to as Jesus. He is both lion, kingship, judgment, and also lamb, sacrifice. That's all very well. But what has that got to say to us sitting here today in year 2024? Well, it's really about God's judgment, isn't it? In the world of today, we look around the world of today and all we hear is very, very depressing news 
of wars and rumours of wars and all sorts of trouble and bloodshed and hatred and division. And we think, where is God in all of this? Where is God's judgment coming into all of this? Well, nothing new in that, is there? The first Christians, the early church, also had that problem. Where is God's judgment in all the terrible persecutions just because of our faith in Jesus? Well, they were to learn the triumph often comes through sacrifice. That's not a popular word today, is it? But yet there is truth in it. Triumph comes through sacrifice. Now, I know that this in no way answers the old age, the age-old question, why suffering? Why does God allow suffering? And in fact, if somebody did come up with what they thought was a satisfactory answer to suffering, I think I would be rather skeptical. The lion and the lamb go together. And it's a clear vision from Isaiah chapter 11, often read at Christmas time and Advent time. And they're seen together as a prophecy of the coming of the Messiah with those two titles. And it's a vision of hope. And it's a vision of peace. And I think it's something we need to hold on to every bit as much as did the early Christian church. The saints who came through their terrible persecution and death, they now sing a new song in the heavenly kingdom. We read part of it together. For you were slaughtered, and by your blood you you have ransomed men for God from every nation and kingdom. Words which come up in a canticle that we sing in morning prayer from time to time, Canticle 21, under the heading of glory and honour. But let's look at another passage of Scripture, one which was sung not so long ago, Psalm 139. And we read something entirely different. We read about God's watchful eye, his watchful eye over you, me, every individual person, just as though there was nobody else in the entire world but you, me, somebody else, and God's watchful eye over the whole of creation. O Lord, you have searched me out and known me, You know my down-sitting and mine uprising. Where can I go then from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? For even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, and the light around me turn to to night. 
Even darkness is no darkness with you. The night is as clear as the day. God's watchful eye over the whole of creation. Now, I'm sure we're all very familiar with the, the term, Big Brother is watching you. Words from the novel by George Orwell in the 1980s. Yes, but that's a claim that's more to do with judgment, isn't it, than a very comforting thought. In fact, it's not a comforting thought at all that Big Brother is watching you. And if it was true then, in the 80s, how much more so now with modern versions of the internet? But in our psalm this morning, the psalmist speaks of God's watchful eye not in judgment, but in protection. There's the difference. His watchful eye protecting the faithful in times of sorrow, in times of trouble, in times of darkness, caring for us, forgiving us, loving those who confide in him. It's another psalm, Psalm 37, which opens with the words, Fret not for the ungodly. And a few verses after that it says again, Fret not, lest in anger you may be moved to do evil. Yes. We worry about the world. We ask God, why so much suffering? But if we fret in anger, we too may be moved to do evil. And I think that's where our hope really lies. In the midst of a world of so much trouble, so much chaos, so much blood. Uh, blood poured out of innocent victims. Our hope lies in a vision that God is both lion who will judge harshly the world, but also lamb who will judge gently those who trust in him. And to me, this is perhaps the important lesson we need to take away from us from Revelation chapter 5 and from Psalm 139. Now to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, to thee we ascribe all might, majesty, dominion, and glory, henceforth, now, and forevermore. Amen. Amen. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, 
God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you promised through your Son, Jesus Christ, to hear the prayers of those who ask in faith. Lord of your people, strengthen your church in all the world and renew the life of this diocese. In our diocesan cycle of prayer today, we pray for the Clergy and Leaders Day Conference, which will take place in Belfast this week. We pray for the leaders of the conference and for all serving clergy, church plant leaders, church army officers, and those in lay leadership. We pray that God will refresh, encourage, and inspire them all in their ministry, and that they may have a sense of shared vision and purpose as they continue to serve God here in the Diocese of Down and Remore. We also pray for the week of prayer for Christian unity, which begins on Thursday. And we give thanks for the fellowship which we enjoy with our neighboring churches. And as a new year begins and our parish organizations start once more, we ask Lord God for your guidance and support on all the work and ministry within our parish. Bless David, our Bishop, John, our rector, Ken and Walter, our assistant priests, our diocesan lay reader, Karen, and all their families, and build us up in faith and love. Lord, in your mercy. <coughs> Lord of creation, look with favor on the world you have made. Guide the nations in the ways of justice and of peace and bless Charles our King and all in authority. Lord of all creation, we thank you for this beautiful land in which we live. We rejoice that in the past many have gone from here to spread your gospel of peace throughout the world. Forgive us, Lord, for attitudes and actions which have in recent times caused strife and division. We pray for all parts of the world where there is war and unrest. 
and for all those who live in fear and despair. On this second Sunday after the Epiphany, we pray that you, O God, our Father, who guided by a star the wise men to the worship of your Son, that you let that same star always shine in our hearts so that we may follow you out of the darkness into the light and so that we may become bearers of peace and reconciliation throughout the world. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of our relationships, comfort and sustain the communities in which we live and work and help us to love our neighbours as ourselves. Lord God, you have taught us that we are members one of another and that we can never live to ourselves alone. We thank you for the community of which we are part, for those who share with us in its activities and for all who serve its varied interests. Help us to make our own contribution to the community and to learn to be good neighbours that by love we may serve one another. Enable us to serve our families and friends and to love one another as you love us. Lord, help us to listen to each other, to be gentle with one another, to forgive each other and to think of others before ourselves. We pray for our families, for those who are growing up that they may increase in wisdom and love. For those facing changes, that they may meet them in hope. For those who are weak, that they might find strength. For those with heavy burdens, that they may carry them lightly. For those who are old and frail, that they may grow in faith. And in our love for each other, May we know you, Lord, as the source of all love, and may your presence and peace abide in all our homes. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of all healing, relieve and protect those who are sick or suffering, and those who have been bereaved. We think especially today of the family of Joe Devine, whose funeral took place here on Thursday. Be with those who have any special need. We think of all on our parish prayer list and we ask for your blessing on those who pray on their behalf. We think of those who are ill, those who are lonely or afraid, those who are dying and those who wait with them. And in a moment of silence, we pray for anyone we know personally to be in need of God's healing touch. Be close, O Lord, to those for whom we pray and grant them your strength and your peace. Deliver all who know violence, danger or oppression. O Lord, help us, we pray, always to trust in your goodness, that walking with you and following you, we may find strength in time of fear and the courage of faith in our daily lives. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of eternity, bind us together by your Holy Spirit 
in communion with all who, having confessed the faith, have died in the peace of Christ, that we may entrust ourselves and one another and our whole life to you, Lord God, and come with all your saints to the joys of your eternal kingdom. Amen. We do not presume to come to this, your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, for you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. Our Saviour Christ is the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Present be present, Lord Jesus Christ, our risen High Priest. Make yourself known in the breaking of bread. Amen. Amen. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. 
never-living God at all times and in all places, it is right to give you thanks and praise. For Jesus Christ, our Lord, who in human likeness revealed your glory to bring us out of darkness into the splendor of his light. And so with all your people, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing, Blessed are you, Father, the creator and sustainer of all things. You made us in your own image. Male and female, you created us. Even when we turned away from you, you never ceased to care for us. But in your love and mercy, you freed us from the slavery of sin, giving your only begotten Son to become man and suffer death on the cross to redeem us. He made there the one complete and all-sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, he instituted and in his holy gospel commanded us to continue a perpetual memory of his precious death until he comes again. <coughs> On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, 
And when he had given thanks to you, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Father, with this bread and this cup we do as Christ your Son commanded. We remember his passion and death. We celebrate his resurrection and ascension. And we look for the coming of his kingdom. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts, grant by the power of the life-giving spirit that we may be made one in your holy church and partakers of the body and blood of your Son, that he may dwell in us and we in him. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory are yours, Almighty Father, forever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour Christ has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. We be many are one body, for we all share in the one bread. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, who has taken away the sins of the world. Happy are those who are called to his supper. Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word, and I shall be healed.
Let us pray. God of glory, you nourish us with bread from heaven. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, that through us the light of your glory may shine in all the world. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Christ the Son, be manifest to you that your lives may be a light to the world. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.
Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.